Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you here. Came in during the rainstorm, did you, a little bit? You don't look too soggy. So I appreciate you uh, making the effort to come out. Appreciate all of you who are with us online today. We're live streaming this service as well. And uh, so we got people watching uh, here in person, which is always fun. And then we got people all over the place out there watching us on the, uh, the interweb thingy. And uh, obviously I didn't set that up, okay? Uh, if I were to ask you today, what is the biggest problem in your life? Uh, you might say, well, this virus Thing has created all kinds of problems or you, you might say you know I've been furloughed lost my job I've got some financial issues going on maybe some relational struggles uh, within the home struggling as a parent uh, you might have a list of problems that you're facing but that is not your biggest problem uh, your biggest problem is you aren't you glad you came to church today <laughs> That's the flattest response I've gotten to that all weekend. <laughs> yeah, your, your biggest problem is you, just as I am my biggest problem. Uh, you cause yourself more problems than anybody else does, and I, I do the same uh, for me. We, we, and we cause those problems because of the way we think. That's why we're doing this series on rethinking my life, because Wrong thinking causes wrong feelings, and wrong feelings cause wrong actions, and wrong actions cause problems. And most of the problems in your life are caused by the way you think. You see, not, not everything you think is the truth. Just because you think something, just because you feel something, that doesn't mean it's true. Because, you see, you lie to yourself all the time. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. You lie to yourself all the time. In fact, you lie to yourself more than you lie to other people. Sometimes we tell ourselves that things are better off than they really are. Sometimes we tell ourselves that things are worse off than they really are. Not everything you think, not everything you feel is the truth. And when you act on thoughts and feelings that aren't correct, you're going to have behavior that's not correct. And that's going to cause problems in your life. Now this, this issue, the, the reason why the heart is deceitfully wicked is because we all have a sin nature. Uh, it's not your fault that you think wrong. It's not your fault that you sin. You, you didn't create your sin problem you inherited it from Adam and Eve. Since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, every human being who has been born has been born with a tendency to think wrong and therefore act wrong. And, and let me just illustrate it. You know, when you know something is the wrong thing to do, do you still do it? Sometimes. When you know something is the right thing to do, do you do it? Not always. 
okay? That, that's your old sin nature, and frankly, that's your biggest problem. Sin is the biggest problem in your life. But God has solved the biggest problem in your life. God has provided a solution to your sin problem. Now, this is really a two-part uh, sermon. And so today, I'm going to give you the theological what and why, and then next week, Ryland is going to give you the practical yes, but how? How do I deal with my sin problem? But today, I want to start out with the definition of sin. When we usually think of uh, sin, we think of behavior. We think of uh, bad actions like murder, adultery, rape, stealing. We think uh, of sin as the mean, bad, nasty uh, behavior. But the Bible tells us that God is more interested in your thoughts, your feelings, and your words, even than he is in your behavior. Because, in, in fact, the Bible has a lot more to say about the sins of the tongue than it does about the sins of any other body part. So let's look at this definition. What is sin? Well, number one, sin is the opposite of God and good. It's the opposite of God and good. Because God is always good. He's never bad. Psalm 111.7 says, Everything God does is good and fair. All his commands can be trusted. Uh, when God created the world in Genesis 1, uh, he looked at everything he'd created and over and over again, he said, this is good, this is good, this is good. But we take what God created as good and we use it in bad ways. What God created isn't bad, it's what we do with it that's bad. We misuse it and abuse it. Money, for instance, money in itself is neither good nor bad. Uh, it can be used for good, it can be used for bad. We misuse it, we abuse it, eventually we lose it. Sex, sex isn't bad, sex isn't dirty, sex is holy. Sex was created by God, it was God's idea, but we misuse it and abuse it. Drugs can be used to heal people or to relieve pain. It used in the right way, it's a good thing. But if we misuse it and abuse it, then instead of being beneficial, it becomes destructive. We get hurt when we subvert and pervert the good things that God has done. You know, sin is always a perversion of God's good gifts. Job 34.10 says, Everyone knows that God doesn't sin. The Almighty can do no wrong. And God wants us, just like uh, any father wants his children to be like him, God wants us to be good not, and not do bad, not sin. Number two, sin is the opposite of love. Uh, one day a man asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment in the Bible? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So sin is the opposite of those two commands. Not loving God and not loving your neighbor is sin. And in Matthew 24, Jesus is looking down through, through time toward the end of all things. And, and he says, sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. I mean, are we seeing that in our day? I mean, seriously, is, are people more or less loving now than they were even 20 years ago? 
Yeah, civilization is becoming uncivil. Why? Because as sin increases, love decreases because sin is unloving. Number three, sin is always selfishness. Sin is always selfishness. James 3.16 says, Wherever there is selfishness, you find disorder and every kind of evil sin. I, I think it's a great illustration, a, a visual representation of the problem. In the, in the English language, the middle letter in sin is I. When, uh, with sin, we got an I problem. I want this, I want that, uh, I want it my way, I want to do my own thing. The middle letter in sin is I. Well, the middle letter in pride is I. The middle letter in crime is I. Wine has I at the center. Criticize has I at the center. Gossiping has I at the center. Lying has I at the center. Thief, envious, deceitful, defiant, merciless, furious, devious, hastiness, suspicion, negligent, finicky, anxiety, guilt, fatigue, pessimism, phoniness, panicky, difficult, hostility, emptiness, all have I at the center. At its heart, sin is selfish. Number four, sin is always unbelief. Uh, specifically, it's unbelief in who God is. I, I doubt something about God. I doubt his love, doubt his compassion, doubt his wisdom, doubt his plan. I'm doubting something about God. Uh, Jesus says in John 16, the Holy Spirit will show that the world's sin is unbelief in me. Sin is when I don't believe God is who he says he is. Sin is when I don't believe God will do what he says he will do. When I become fearful or anxious, I'm showing my unbelief in God's promises. Over 7,000 promises in, in, in the Bible, and, and when we believe those, when we claim those, we don't have to be fearful or anxious. 365 times the Bible says, do not fear, don't be afraid. 365, that's one for every day. God says, I'll be with you, I'll protect you, I will help you. When you don't believe that, you become fearful and anxious. When I get impatient, that means I'm doubting God's perfect timing. God has a, a, a perfect plan for your life, and God is not in a hurry. You know, God is beyond time. Frankly, God doesn't care when these things happen because, you know, he's not going too fast. He's not going too slow. His timing is perfect. But when we don't believe that, we become impatient. I'm not getting married as fast as I want to get married. I'm not getting my job. I'm not getting a promotion as fast as I would like. I thought I'd have a bigger house by now. I thought I'd have this by now. I thought I'd be doing this by now. I don't like how long this is taking. I'm impatient. I doubt God's timing. So I take matters into my own hands. And how does that work out? Okay. When I get resentful or bitter, it means I'm doubting God's wisdom. God is a wise, good, and loving God, and he has a wise, good, and loving plan for your life. But sometimes bad things happen to us. Sometimes we experience things that we don't want to experience, and we begin to doubt God's wisdom. 
We begin to doubt God's plan for my life. And we look around and we say, hey, they got a promotion and I didn't. And, and you know, he got that award and I didn't. And, and I'm going through this and they're not. I don't like my plan. I like their plan. God, you messed up and I resent it. And I become bitter. And when I'm resentful and bitter, I'm doubting God's wisdom. I'm doubting that God can bring good out of the bad things that come into my life. You know, anybody can bring good out of good. Anybody can bring bad out of good. But only God can bring good out of bad. In fact, God specializes in that. God specializes in bringing resurrections out of crucifixions. But when I don't trust in his wisdom, I get resentful. What about carrying guilt? You know, how long should a follower of Jesus Christ feel guilty? about one second because that's how long it takes to confess after you sin you know you, you commit a sin sorry God that was wrong please forgive me boom it's it's over it's it's forgiven but people carry guilt around some some of us carry guilt around for years God doesn't want you carrying guilt around like that confess the sin get rid of the guilt what does it mean when I carry guilt around it, it means I doubt God's forgiveness Maybe I can't forgive myself, and so I think God can't forgive me. And, and doubting God's forgiveness is sinful because God says, I forgive. I forgive you instantly, completely, continuously. And so when you carry guilt and shame around, you're saying, I, I don't believe God will forgive me, and that's the sin of unbelief. What about when I feel inadequate? I, I, I'm not up to the task. I, I, I don't measure up. Well, those feelings of inadequacy, you're doubting God's power. You know, God says, when you're weak, I'll be strong. God says, my power shows up best in your weakness. God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God says, faith can move mountains. God does impossible things. And when I'm feeling inadequate, I'm doubting that God has the power to help me. So sin is, is unbelief. Now, is this really that big a problem? I mean, if, if we all have it, and if we've all had it since the beginning of time, is, is sin really that big a deal? Well, let me give you six problems with sin. Number one, I, I was born with a selfish desire to sin. I was born with a selfish desire to sin. Romans 7, the Apostle Paul says, The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. There is another power within me that is at war in my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Paul says there is a battle raging in your mind between your natural tendency toward sin and the new desire that God has given you to do the right thing as his child and as, as a believer in Christ. And so between your desire to do the right thing and the natural human inclination to do the wrong thing, there is a battle that rages in your mind. And it's a problem that has plagued humankind since, since Adam and Eve. We, we all struggle with it. Number two, the, the second problem with sin is it breaks my fellowship with God. 
Sin is a relational issue. Now, not that you've ever had a fight with your spouse, but have you ever kind of gone to somebody's house or, or met somebody for dinner or just kind of stepped into a room and thought, you know, it's a little chilly in here. You can sense that there's been conflict between those people. Why is it? Why is it that you can tell that's happened? Because when I sin against my wife, it breaks my connection with my wife. When, when you sin against your husband, it breaks your connection uh, with him. You ever felt that? Yeah, the same is true with God. Sin breaks our fellowship. It breaks our connection uh, with God. And that's why when you pray, sometimes your prayers hit the ceiling and fall to the floor. That, that's why God may not feel very close to you. You know, you talk to people who don't think God exists and don't think God answers prayer. Well, there may be a problem here. Look what Isaiah 59.2 says. He says, your sins are the roadblock between you and your God. That's why he doesn't answer your prayers or let you see his face. Your sin affects your relationship with God. Your sin affects your relationship with other people. Third problem. Every time I sin, something dies inside me. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin, the consequences of sin, is death. There was no death on planet Earth until sin entered the world. If Adam and Eve had never sinned, they would have never died. There would have been no death on Earth. But they sinned and death entered the world. Sin and death go together. James 1.15, our evil desires make us sin, and when sin is finished with us, it leaves us dead. And it's not just a physical death that it's talking about. You know, a lot of stuff dies when you sin. Your, your passion for God dies. Your, your dream uh, of making a difference with your life dies. Your relationships die when you sin. Sin kills your potential. Sin kills your joy. L listen to some of the consequences of sin. Anxiety, alienation, addiction, broken hearts, broken bodies, broken relationships, bitterness, compulsions, debt, disease, damaged reputations, death, eternal separation from God, fear, guilt, hate, injustice, jealousy, judgmentalism, loss of reputation, loss of rewards in heaven, missed opportunities, missed blessings, national decline and destruction, oppression, pollution of creation, relational conflict, stress, and suffering. You get the idea. Sin is not a good thing. Sin kills and destroys the good things in my life. Number four. Sin may be a secret, but it's never private. Uh, my sin always affects other people, even if nobody knows about it. it it's, it's never private, uh, for one thing, because it's going to come out eventually. It, it may come out and be exposed here on earth, or it's going to be exposed at the judgment day, but somebody, someday everybody's going to know. At Numbers 32, 23, promises. This is a promise from God. You may be sure that your sin will find you out. And the Bible says that if you cover up your sin, you won't be successful. But if you confess it and forsake it, you get another chance. And so sin, sin is never private. 
Because everything you do, good or bad, affects other people, even if they don't know what's going on behind it. You know, if I got secret sin in my life, or you may see somebody who has secret sin in their life, and you, you notice their life, you think, man, what, what is going on? They're just not on their game. They're just, they're just not hitting the mark here. They, they don't, there's no spark. They're, they're, you know, what, what's going on? And you may not know what the sin is, but you see the effect of it. Romans 14, 7 says, None of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. You know, people will say, well, you know, it's my life, what I do, uh, as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, what's it to you? But you are hurting other people with your sin. You may not realize it, but you're hurting other people because it limits your potential. It limits the good that you can do. It breaks your relationship with God. It affects your relationships with other people. Your sin affects other people, not just you. You don't live and die to yourself. And that leads to the fifth one. Sin does long-term damage. You know, we think if we sin and, and there, there's no damage right away, we got away with it. But sometimes, sometimes sin destroys your life suddenly like an earthquake. And sometimes sin destroys your life like dry rot. It just, you know, takes a long time. But either way, be sure your sin will find you out. Sinning is like sowing seeds. When you plant a seed, it takes time for the seed to germinate. It takes time for the seed to grow to maturity. It takes time to reap a harvest. But whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Galatians 6 says you can't make a fool out of God. You think you're going to sin and get away with it? You can't make a fool out of God. Whatever you plant is what you will harvest. If you plant in the soil of your sinful nature, you will harvest destruction. But if you plant in the soil of your spiritual nature, you will harvest everlasting life. You know, you don't plant apple seeds and reap tomatoes. You don't plant bitterness and reap love. You don't plant criticism and reap encouragement. Whatever you plant and whatever soil you plant it in, either the sinful soil or the spiritual soil, you're going to reap a harvest. Number six, disobeying God is neither fun nor funny. It's not fun, it's not funny. You know, we often fall for one of Satan's biggest traps. And, and Satan wants us, he wants us to laugh at sin because if he can get us to laugh at it, then it lowers our resistance to it. And I, I'm, I'm 65 years old. I've observed our culture for 65 years. And I've noticed that whenever Satan wants to take our culture to a new low, how does he introduce it? Through comedy. Through comedy. Through sitcoms and stand-up routines and Saturday Night Live. Because if he can get us to laugh at sin, it lowers our resistance to it. Because you laugh at it and think, oh, that's not so bad, it's funny. But sin's not a laughing matter. It's not funny. You know, the trap always has bait on it. And the bait is always good. You know, the mouse thinks the cheese is good right up until the trap kills him. Man, I like this cheese. This is the best cheese I've ever... <laughs> he gets you. It's pleasant. The Bible says sin is pleasant for a season. 
but there's a reckoning. And sin's not a laughing matter, it's not funny. Uh, Proverbs 10.2 says, a fool's fun is in being bad. That doing wrong is like a joke to a fool. You know, how much of our entertainment today is watching people commit sin? We're, we're watching people commit murder, watch people stealing, watch people committing adultery, watch people blaspheming, watching people uh, uh, fornicating, watching people's sin has become our entertainment. The Bible speaks the hard truth about sin. Romans 2 says, But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, selfishness, who refuse to obey the truth, and instead live lives of wickedness. That's a pretty sobering verse. No, nobody likes to read that verse, but it's there. It's there. Now here's the good news. The good news is, is that God has solved your sin problem. You can't solve it, but God has solved it for you. Jesus Christ dying on the cross is the answer to everything I've just laid out for you. God doesn't want you to be a slave to your sin nature. God wants you to find freedom in Christ. So how do I do that? How do I break free from my sin? Number one, I must understand what Jesus did for me. I've got to understand it. Again, it's in, it's in the mind. You know, on the cross, Jesus not only paid the penalty of your sins, he also broke the power of sin in your life. And when you trust in Jesus Christ, you, you now have the power to say, no, I'm not going to do that sin anymore. And it's not just willpower, it's a God power that comes into your life. 1 Peter 2, 24, Jesus personally carried our sins in his own body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. We can be dead to sin and live for what is right. 2 Corinthians 13, 4, although Jesus died on the cross in weakness, he now lives by the mighty power of God. We too are weak, but we live in him and have God's power. Because of what Christ did on the cross, I have the power to say, I'm not going to sin anymore. I don't want to do that sin. And as believers, we know that, that Christ died to pay for our sins. And, and so we don't have to pay for our sins. But, but the news doesn't stop there. You know, Jesus Christ wants to set you free not just from the penalty of sin. He wants to set you free from the power of sin. He wants to give you a new power, a new nature. So you can say, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that sin anymore. I can break that bad habit, move on from it. Number two, I let God give me a new nature. God wants to give me a new nature. And those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. They don't sin habitually because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. 
Romans 8, 9, if you have the Spirit of God living in you, you are controlled by your new nature. You, know, you don't just have the old nature, the old sin nature that wants to do the wrong thing. Now you have a new nature from God that has the power to do the right thing. And you just have to say, I want my new nature to win. I want to walk in the Spirit so I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's off with the old nature, on with the new nature. And that battle is won and lost in your mind. So number three, I, that's why I must change the way I think about sin. Change the way I think about sin. Sin's not funny, it's not fun, it's not a joke, it's not comedy, it's serious. Sin is all these negative, destructive things that we just looked at. Sin put Jesus Christ on the cross. Romans 6. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Once I was dead in sin, now I'm alive to God. You know, I was dead in sin, now sin's dead to me. I don't have to let it control me. Christ lives in me, and I've got a new power over sin. Sin's the opposite of God and good. Sin is the opposite of love. Sin is always selfish. Sin is always based in unbelief toward God. Sin is my biggest problem. But God solved that problem for you and me through Jesus Christ. And when I understand what Jesus Christ truly did for me, and when I receive that new nature that God offers me, and when I change the way I think about sin, I can be free from the penalty of sin, and I can break free from the power of sin. And Ryland's going to tell you next week how you can live with that new power. Let's pray together. Father, I, I love these people. And you love these people, and, and I look out at their faces, and I just pray for their protection this week. Everything is coming against them to say, live for yourself, don't live for God. Live in fear, don't trust in God. And I pray you will protect them from temptation this week, that you will protect them from suffering this week. God, I pray you'll protect them from spiritual attacks this week, from things that would discourage them. Lord, protect their minds, renew their minds with good thoughts as they spend time talking to you in prayer and reading your word. Protect their bodies. Those with health issues, God, heal them. Uh, for those who are struggling with their finances, protect their finances so they don't have to worry about it. For those who are in tough relationships, God, please restore, reconcile, bring forgiveness, bring restitution, bring joy. For those who are confused, give them clarity. For those who are tired, give them strength. God, I just pray that this week that we would be less self-centered and more Christ-centered. I pray that you'd bring great blessings to all those who hear this message, wherever they are, whether it's here or wherever they're watching.
God, I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.